0: Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Duh Weekly Podcast. We have some guests here today. I've got my dogs here. Uh, They might come on the program uh, here in just a little bit. I'm sure they will. Um, How is everyone? How how are you doing? I hope you're doing... See? Look in there. Already. Already. Is everybody doing good? Sorry. Excuse me. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh... COVID's still around. I'm not sure how long it's going to be around. Uh, Some uh, parts of the United States are on fire, uh, wildfires. uh, Cities are burning. People are unhappy. People are being killed. People are being shot. People are being murdered. Every day, all day, in this world that we live in. Um, I like to bring to light some of the stories And I like to be careful with my words because people's lives are affected on both sides. But the story I'm going to talk about today and maybe next week and the week after, it's a long story to me. I don't think it can be told in one episode. I mean, it could be a four-hour episode, but I'm not going to do that to you. So let's go through the business side of why we do what we do. Subscribe to Duh Weekly Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, iHeart, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. We're on 10 different platforms. Wherever you get your podcast, look up Duh Weekly Podcast. Give us a review, give us a rating, a thumbs up, a mule's ass, whatever it is, help us out, help us out help us out. You can donate to the show through our show notes through Anchor. You can also find us on PayPal, paypal.me backslash Dove Weekly Podcast. We don't have any for pay sites because I just don't feel like we have the content ready and it's just, we're just not there yet. We're just not there. But we're working on it and hopefully one day we will be. Uh, But I want to say thanks for listening. Thank you. For those that are listening, tell two people, have them just to listen to one episode. Just help us grow this thing, if you can. And I appreciate it. So, and also too, I wrote a small children's book called, Duh, shit, not duh, hell everything's duh in my head. The Great Hot Dog Caper, featuring Sergeant Steve Slaw of Cabbage Town. It is a very, very short story. It is on Amazon for Kindle, an ebook only. It is two dollars and ninety-nine cents. Please go to Amazon as one way you can also help us. And buy our short story called The Great Hot Dog Caper with Sergeant Slaw. And that is written by me, Jeremy Pale. So today's case I'm going to talk about. And now, I want to give props where props is due, the ones that do the legwork, and go out there and really get this information. Mr. Ethan Brown, the author of Murder in the Bayou, is going to be where the majority of our information is coming from. So thank you, Mr. Ethan Brown. This is an amazing book. I've read it twice, and I'm working on reading it a third time. This case, Murder in the Bayou, speaks of... The Jeff the Jefferson Davis Eight. And it's the case is called, you know, Who Killed the Women known as the Jeff Davis Eight. Now, for a small town like or a small area like the Jefferson Davis parish, it's under ten thousand people, and they have a murder solve rate of seven percent, where the national average is sixty four. So What's going on in that little area, that little town? I could go with and do this podcast a few different ways, but I want to, there's so many different characters, and I don't mean characters like crazy motherfuckers, or MF, or excuse my language, but just figures. I want to go over the figures, and that way you'll know the names, you'll know who they are, you'll know where they fall in with this story, and maybe you can understand it because it is a very complex story. So, the Jefferson Davis 8. Who killed the Jefferson Davis 8 women? So, our first, I want to just go through these victims. And I want to go through these figures. These are key figures that are going to be talked about in this story. These figures are from the book, Murder in the Bayou. We've got the first victim, Loretta Chasson, a.k.a. Loretta Chasson Lewis. She is the Jefferson Davis 8 victim number one. And she was slain in May of 2005. We have Ernestine Patterson. She is Jefferson Davis 8 victim number 2, slain in June of 2005. We've got Kristen Lopez, a.k.a. Kristen Gary Lopez. She was the victim number 3. She was slain in early March of 2007. Now, she is the cousin of Jefferson Davis 8 victim number 6, Brittany Gary. Next, we have Whitney DuBose, Jefferson Davis 8, victim number 4, slain in May of 2007. We've got Lacona Muggy Brown. She is Jefferson Davis 8, victim number 5, slain in May of 2008. We've got Crystal Zeno, a.k.a. Crystal Shea Benoit Zeno, Jefferson Davis 8, victim number 6, slain in late August, early September of 2008. Now, we have Brittany, Brittany Gary. We referenced her earlier. Uh, Jefferson Davis 8, victim number 7, slain in November 2008. She is the cousin of Jefferson Davis 8, victim number 3, Kristen Gary Lopez. Now we have Nicole Gullery. She is the victim number 8, slain in August of 2009. Now, there's a list of suspects that uh, as you go through this story, you will hear of horrendous, horrendous, horrendous corrupt behavior by law enforcement all around this area. We've got Tracy Chasson, pronounced Chasson, Chasson, Tracy Chasson. Now she is the longtime associate of Frankie Richard. She's the cousin of Jefferson Davis 8 victim Loretta Chasson. She was charged as an accessory after the fact of second-degree murder in the slaying of Jeff Davis 8 victim Kristen Gary Lopez. Charges were later dropped. Billy Connor Sr., brother of Frankie Richard, father of Hannah Connor, suspected of assisting Richard in running his drug operation, he is deceased. Hannah Connor, she is the niece of Frankie Richard, charged with second-degree murder in slaying of Kristen Gary Lopez. Charges later dropped. Kenneth Patrick Drake, 44-year-old man from Welsh, Louisiana, who attacked Jefferson Davis 8 victim Crystal Benoit Zeno with a metal pipe in late summer of 2008, just before she was murdered. He is deceased. Eugene Dog Ivory, he is a longtime associate of Frankie Richard. He was charged in 2007 of the rape of Elizabeth Clemens. Charges dropped. Byron Chad Jones, Charged in 2005 of the killing of Ernestine Patterson, Jefferson Davis 8 victim Number 2. Charges later dropped. Excuse me. Lawrence Nixon, cousin of Jefferson Davis 8 victim, Lacona Muggy Brown, charged in 2005 killing of Jefferson Davis 8 victim, Ernestine Patterson. Charges later dropped. He was then charged in 2005 with rape of investigator Kurt Menard's daughter, Rosalind Brewett. Bronx, Brooks, that's, okay, charges dropped. Now, we've got Frankie Richard, former pimp and drug dealer in Jennings, briefly charged in 2007 with the murder of Kristen Gary Lopez, Jefferson Davis 8, victim number three. Charges were dropped. Uh, He was charged along with Eugene Dog Ivory in 2007 of the rape of Elizabeth Clemens. Charges later dropped. Now, here are some of our players in law enforcement. These are some sketchy MFers, man. I'm telling you, holy shit. Danny Barry, he's the former deputy with the Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff's Office. and He was a frequent client of all of the Jefferson Davis 8 uh, girls, and he died in 2010. We have Dallas Comier, uh, the Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff from 80 until 92. He had 12 years. He was finally indicted by the feds for using public funds for private purchases. He pled guilty to one count of obstruction of justice. Ramby Comier. This gentleman was a detective with the Jefferson Davis Parish, served as the Jefferson Davis Parish, uh, I'm sorry, with the Jeff Davis 8 Task Force, also former detective with the Caliseau Parish Sheriff's Office. Now we have Donald Lucky, this fool was in some crazy shit. He was a former investigator with the VCTF, the Violent Crimes Task Force, in Cal- Calicashu Parish during the 90s. He's also the police chief of the Jennings Police Department from late 1990 to early 2000s. Because this also this case was called the Jefferson Davis Eight, but it was also the Jennings Eight. Uh, that's J E N N I N G S. We have Ricky Edwards. He is the sheriff in the Jefferson Davis Parish from 92 to 2012. We have Mr. Warren Gary. He is the former chief investigator and chief of detectives of the Jefferson Davis Davis Parish Sheriff's Office in 2007 purchased a truck from a female inmate that had allegedly been used to transport the body of Jefferson Davis eight victim, Kristen Gary Lopez. I'm just hoping that this can help you understand this story a little bit better. This story is insane to me. It is insane. We have Terry Gullery. This is the former warden of the Jeff Davis Parish Jail, also formerly with the Jennings Police Department. Currently, he's with Lake Arthur, Louisiana Police Department. Mark Ivory, jailer under former Jefferson Davis Parish Warden Terry Gullery. He was also a defendant in a 2007 federal civil rights lawsuit for alleged sexual assault of a female inmate, Lisa Allen. He committed suicide in the fall of 2007. We've got Phil Corum. He's an officer with the Jennings Police Department. In February 2000, he killed fellow officer Kenneth Gildry and his wife Christine during an ensuing standoff. He also killed Officer Burt LeBlanc. He is deceased. Wayne McCleven. You'll hear his name quite a bit, cause his son was in a lot of trouble. For well, he didn't get in any trouble. Former sheriff of Calasu Parish, son Richard McLevene was implicated, but never charged in two murder cases in the Calcasoo, whatever Kalikosoo Parish during the nineties. Raymond Mott, former detective with both Jennings Police Department and Lake Arthur Police Department, claims that he was instructed by Terry Gullery not to arrest drug dealers in town terminated by Lake Arthur PD after a photo emerged of him at a KKK rally. Ivory Woods is Jefferson Davis, Davis Paris sheriff since 2012. Now we've got a couple other victims, uh, a couple of key figures, five or six more. This is Rosalind Breaux. She is the daughter of proud investigator Kurt Minard, who is investigating uh, Jeff Davis 8 case in 05. She was allegedly lured to the home in South Jennings by a victim, uh, Lacona Muggy Brown, and raped by a group of men, including Lawrence Nixon, Brown's cousin, who was briefly charged in the murder of Ernestine Patterson. Harvey Lee, bird dog, burlay. Prescription pill dealer. His home, 610 Gallup Street in Jennings. You'll hear that address a lot. They believe that was the catalyst. This raid was the catalyst of some of the reasons of these murders. Gallup Street in Jennings was raided by law enforcement. April of Leonard Crochet killed during the raid. Associate of Jefferson Davis 8 victim, Whitney Dubrow's brother, Mike, stabbed to death in Jennings in the summer of 2007. His murder remains unsolved. So right out of the gate, we've got the brother of Whitney Dubrow, Mike, who is a key feature in the drug trade in Jennings and Jefferson Davis. Is stabbed. His murder has remained unsolved. We've got Sheila Comier, informant beaten to death in Jennings in 98. Her murder remains unsolved. Another one. Leonard Crochet, killed by law enforcement April 20th, 2005, at the drug raid at 16 Gallup Street. The murder was witnessed by Kristen Gary Lopez. David Bowleg de Soto. Former boyfriend of Jefferson Davis 8 victim Brittany Gary and Nicole Gullery. His murder in July of 2011 remains unsolved. Another murder. One half. Okay. Eric Ellender is one half of the Caliseau Parish couple murdered in 91. You'll hear this story. Pam Ellender is the other half of that couple. Lacey Fontenot. Uh. Was a 27 year old woman found in Lake Arthur, Louisiana, dead by drowning from hypothermia in a ditch uh, uh, on January 31st, 2014. Dated Alvin Bootsy Lewis, former boyfriend of Whitney DeBow, and father of a child with DeBow. Associate of longtime Frankie Richard, cohort Eugene Dog Ivory. Stephen Gunter, uh, Lake Arthur, Louisiana. Man shot to death by Terry Gullery of the Jefferson uh, Davis Parish Sheriff's Office in June of 'o seven. Murder after murder after murder. Christopher Prudhoma, who was the suspect in the 91 killing of Eric and Pam Ellender, he was found dead in Kalasoo Parish Jail weeks later, alleged by suicide. You'll learn, too, that he was found in the part of the jail that you could only get access to if you had a key to it. Uh, Whistleblowers were Jesse Ewing former detective with the Jennings Police. Um, Then you've got Nina Ravey was a nurse under the Jefferson Davis Parish Warden Terry Gullery. They filed complaints against her, got her in trouble. Uh, You've got Roxanne. Mama Alexander was a friend to all of the girls, the victims. Mike DuBose was the brother of Whitney DuBose, uh, was known to help traffic drugs for some of the law enforcement. Jared Sobel, uh, informant for Jennings Police Department, whose tips led to the 2005 raid on 610 Gallup Street, the home of Harvey Bird Dog Berlay. Leonard Crochet was killed during that raid. These are key figures. Key figures in this case, the Jennings 8 or the Jefferson Davis 8. It is much more than eight. There is upwards of 19 murders, in my opinion, that are all connected in this because of who knew what, who knew when. It's not a serial killer other than it's serial murder. It is an area controlled by certain, a certain few people, we'll say. Let's just give you the evidence, and then you can make an assessment of what you think. With what we what we tell you, first body in May of 05, Jerry Jackson is fishing. He sees a body floating. He thinks it's a mannequin. There were some mannequins stolen. Uh, he gets a closer look. Notices there's flies around it. He knows that there is no mannequin that attracts flies. So he calls 911. And about five minutes later, a dozen deputies and detectives arrive. You know, of course, Jackson got the hell out of there. I wouldn't blame him. Uh, anybody that's lived in that area long, for any period of time knows how corrupt the police department are. And, and this is proof. There is proof to this. This is not speculation. Um, but what was odd about that day is a... F- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They pull the body out, and it's identified as 28-year-old Loretta Lynn Lewis Chasson, a Jennings sex worker. Now, further down where they found the body, a woman named Barban Deshotel. Deshotel I can't pronounce some of these names, I'm sorry. Deshotel, Deshotel we'll just say Hotel because that's what it looks like. A longtime friend of the victim. Of course, she's watching the news, and, and she starts to think. Because earlier that morning, before the body was found, Terry Gullery, this is the warden who runs the jail, A deputy from the Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff's Office who had a thick, stocky build, a shaved head, a scruffy goatee, had arrived at her home on West Division Street in South Jennings to question her about Loretta's whereabouts. Where's Loretta? He's wanting to know. When was the last time you seen her? You know, she's like, after my son's birthday. What's wrong? You know, she's wanting to know. And Gullery's tone grew more serious. We think she's missing. Then he turned around and left. Now, of course, she's confused. She's panicked. She gets on hold of Loretta's brother, Nick. Uh, they'd seen the, the body being discovered on TV, and so they go down there. Uh, but as the day went on, she wasn't thinking about the passing of her friend, Loretta. She was thinking about Terry Gullery's early morning visit. Uh, she and Loretta's friends, brother, family, anybody had reported her missing. No one. There was no record of Loretta ever being reported missing to, uh, to the Jefferson Davis, Jennings, anyone. So why did Terry Goldie know she was missing? Why did he go by there looking for her? Suspicious. No one knew she was missing. No one knew Loretta was missing. Uh, you know, obviously these girls had had issues with drugs and they were turned into prostitution to pay for their habits, their their days had just become long, miserable existence. It's just a long, miserable existence of a day. It's terrible. She gets in trouble for writing some bad checks. Uh, she states that the checks were, she was allowed to write these checks so she performed sex acts for this gentleman. But nonetheless, you know, she insisted that the, the owner of the checkbook give her, give her the money for sex all the time. Anyway, she was charged with theft and forgery. Uh, thanks to an outstanding cocaine possession charge, uh, she'd faced three years in prison. Now, in April of 2005, her lawyer had pleaded for in- leniency to get her out, uh, to get her into a drug treatment program. It did not; it did work, and she did get leniency. She got out, but she never there was no record of her ever, ever going to the drug treatment facility. You know, her husband; she'd never been able to get divorced. Um, he was really upset because he had seen her just a few days before. Uh, he gave her a few dollars to buy some chicken. Um, it, but he he was never questioned. He's like after Loretta died, he quote, "I was never questioned." You know, the spouse is supposed to be questioned. What what was in evidence that ruled me out as a suspect? He said. Which Barb and DeSoto. Uh, her friend kept circling back to Terry Gullery's visit, and it just felt like a linchpin to her. It felt like a good... It just felt like something was missing. You know, he had somehow... Gullery had somehow known that Loretta was missing before anybody else. Uh, And, of course, anybody that knew anything in that area knew that Terry Gullery was acquainted with Loretta long before her murder. Now, back when Loretta was in jail her cellmate from the Jefferson Davis Parish Jail uh, spoke to investigators and alleged that the pair, Loretta and Terry, maintained a sex relationship. Her story goes that one night, while the two were lying in their decrepit still bunks, someone entered the cell and announced the cell was often hot, no air conditioning, even in South Louisiana's humid, subtropic climate. Scared uh, scared, the cellmate uh, pretended to be asleep. A short time later, she heard the sound of heavy breathing coming from the bunk, which was directly beneath her. When the cellmate peered over the side of her bunk, she saw Deputy Gullery, Terry Gullery, and Loretta's legs were spread out in the air. He and Loretta were having sex. According to the cellmate, the encounter was followed by a period of quiet. Then, with the sound of the cell door opening and closing again, with Deputy Gullery gone, the cellmate looked over, at Chasson, and Chasson put her finger to her lips, meaning for her to be quiet. But Loretta Chasson was wasn't secret, wasn't secretive about the illicit relationship. She admitted to having sex with the deputy all the time, even when she was not incarcerated. At the time, Loretta was also engaging in sex work, sex work, and partying with the parish's roughest street players. On the morning of May the seventeenth, two thousand five, the day she was murdered, excuse me, Loretta was seen. Clambering into a vehicle at the Phillips 66 gas station with a much feared South Jennings pimp and drug dealer named Frankie Richard. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, Frankie Richard is a bad mother. He may be getting up in his age, and he the last few videos that I've seen of him, he, he looks it's catching up with him. But I'm gonna tell you right now, Frankie Richard is no one to be fooled with. Don't even don't even be fooled there. I'm telling you, that's a mean dude. Later that day, she snorted cocaine at the Bordeaux Inn, a now-shuttered motel and bar on Highway LA 26 in Jennings, just off 64 on the I-10, with a thug named Jermaine Stymie Washington, two fellow sex workers, and later Jefferson Davis 8 victim Muggy Brown and Nicole Gullery. So these all intertwined, linked back together. It is odd. Well, it's not odd, it's just there's something to it. There's there's a piece we're missing. Um, some people believe that, that Stymie, Jermaine Stymie Washington, suffocated Loretta, and Muggsy and Nicole watched helplessly. Now, this theory fits with the coroner's report, murder by suffocation leaves no discernible wounds or marks, and the coroner later noted that no evidence of significant injury. The matter of Loretta's death was left undetermined. The toxicology screen was more uh, definitive. Loretta had uh, an indebted presence and Celexa, as well as cocaine in her system. Her blood alcohol level was measured at .16, defined as sloppy drunk. Between 2005-2009, the bodies of seven more female sex workers would be discovered in and around the outskirts of Jennings and nearby Acadia Parish in dirt roads, swamps, canals, as well as along a highway. Like Loretta, the other victims' bodies are often too decomposed to determine the cause of death. It's a staggering body count for a town of approximately 10,000 residents, Jennings, a place that lies in the heart of Cajun country, a town once named the Boudin, boudin Capital of the Universe for the un... for the un... well, for the Budan. You like Budan? According to this, boudin is Cajun sausage packed with herb, spices, and rice. This is Murdering the Bayou by Ethan Brown. I'm not into, I don't think I'd like boudin. That's just me. I'm sure it's good. But we're talking about an area of 10,000 people, and we've got these just, man. It was hit so hard with poverty. I think they said the average fifty percent of all adults adult males in that area didn't work. You know, you had the lake bo- the oil boom and then it was gone. You just you just just a terrible place to be at certain times. It was just they were always forgotten about the poor people in Louisiana. And it goes through his book the murder and murder by you goes through the Cajun and the Spanish acquisition and then the French uh, owning Louisiana then the purchase of the United States and it goes through their basically they were they were just mistreated at all all at every turn, basically. But getting back to the victims, they found Loretta, first victim. You know, victims Ernestine, Marie Daniels, Patterson, she was thirty. The victim, Kristen Gary Lopez, 21, then Whitney Debose, 26, the Kona Muggy Brown, 23, Crystal Shea Benoit 24, Brittany and Gary, 17, Nicole Gullery, 26. These women are collectively known as the Jeff Davis Eight, all raised in Jefferson Davis Parish. Each of the victims were deeply mired in poverty, mental illness, and drug addiction affliction so prevalent in this area. God Almighty, my heart goes out to these people. That drugs account for 80 to 85% of all their cases. This is the DA Michael Casti at the time. You would think and he said they have no they have no inpatient treatments there. The drugs are plentiful but the help is not. That's a great combination. It's a great area, too, for drug dealers because you're uh, right there at I-10, connects to Houston, up to New Orleans, and that is a route favored by marijuana and cocaine traffickers. Then the prescription pill problem comes up, and that's not so much about trafficking and smuggling as it is shit's going on right in your hometown. Right in your hometown. You hear this? There's a doctor... Or somebody peddling pills in your hometown—it's a problem everywhere. I assure you. Um, you know, in life and even in death, like Ethan Brown says, the many threads that link the Jefferson Davis women in life, which was sex work, and in death, the elevated levels of cocaine and antidepressants, and possible death by asphyxia—you know—it led local law enforcement to investigate the Jeff Davis Eight as a serial killer. But they believe that it's more of a serial killings as a serial killer. A couple other things to to know from this area is uh you know they start they 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 get a task force together they they get this website they get all this stuff, but you go to the website right now, it's no longer functional, which I don't understand that. You got Sheriff Edwards. He's all over the place with things that he's saying. But as we dig in, and as we dig in, we'll see that there's so many avenues or so many different things that that happened, I think, to cause this. You had police officers that were so corrupt that were allowing certain people doing certain things that just the mere thought of word getting out, I think, caused people to put these young women in the ground, along with nine others, because that's not the only ones. It says, with nine other unsolved murders in the area since Loretta's body was discovered in 2005, Jefferson Davis Parish has one of the lowest homicide clearance rate in the country, less than 7% compared to a national clearance rate of 64%. That is in the book of Murder in the Bayou, Ethan Brown. That's terrible. So we've got 17 murders altogether. 17 murders. Which, we talked about the Long Island serial killer case. That's another one somewhat similar. All but one of the victims, Ernestine, were associated with the same fixture of the Jennings Drug Underworld. 61-year-old pimp and drug dealer, Frankie Richard. Frankie Richard. You know, we talk at most, most serial killings are solo, not a group. Some are. Serial murder is, it is very unusual, but... Multiple suspects in the Jefferson Davis 8 case do suggest serial murder... Uh, like I said, in 2006, two men, Byron Chad Jones and Lawrence Nixon, this is the cousin of the fifth, fifth victim, Muggy, were charged with second-degree murder and the slaying of Ernestine Patterson. Now, of course, that case eventually collapsed. In 2007, Frankie Richard himself was briefly charged in the killing of one of the victims, Kristen Gary Lopez. But those charges were dropped after witness provided conflicting statements and a key piece of physical evidence was mishandled. He remains free and is often perched on his porch at the family home in South Jennings. Uh, Jennings, uh, the street hustlers, drug dealers, pimps, all this with connections to Frankie were suspected in the deaths of some of the other women. We see a pattern more in keeping with serial murder than a lone serial killer. Uh, and like we said before, they feel that a lot of these women were killed for for knowing too much. You know, but. Mo- and there's witnesses that they've, they've talked to witnesses in this case, and we'll get through all that. Was that they witnessed other murders, they seen other things, they knew too much. So, when someone knows too much, guess what happens? They kill you. Muggy Brown, the fifth victim, was interrogated about the killing of Ernestine, the second victim. And Muggy had also claimed to have spotted the body of Loretta, the first victim, floating. In the canal before Jerry Jackson found her when he's fishing, it says uh, Lacona Brown. Were walking across the bridge, they found Loretta's body. Uh, detectives also interrogated Kristen Gary Lopez, the third victim, about Loretta. She knew what was going on. Melissa Dangle, that's Kristen's mother, said that they were that she was scared. Uh, that she thinks that she knew something about who was responsible for the murders and was too scared to say. The fact that that these women were questioned in high-profile homicides and they were turning up dead all over Jefferson Davis Parish should have immediately raised the red flags, but it didn't. At least not with law enforcement. Because they were too accustomed to maintain inappropriate, intimate, close, loving connections with those on the wrong side of the law. But one thing is for sure: all eight of these Jefferson Davis eight victims snitched for local law enforcement about the Jennings drug trade. Of course, Ethan Brown con- con- he confronted Sheriff Edwards on this with this allegation. He wouldn't respond. He uh, he now Edwards come in. Uh, I told you this earlier when he come in. Uh, 92 to 2012. So he had a long little stint in there. As we go through this case, we will see different connections between the eight women along with nine others that have been killed. And all of them will have connections to law enforcement. We'll be right back. This case is so complex it makes me want to beat my face up against this wall I'm sitting at. I feel like every time I'm trying to tell you something, it just doesn't make any sense. And it's like it's confusing and there's so much to it and it just it makes me want to punch myself right now. So I'm going to punch myself, and then I'm going to continue. So let me just break it down like this. This is too much to try to put. It's just too much. It's too much. Let's go over just the timeline. Okay, I've given you the players, the names, the important names that are involved in this case. Let's go back to March of 93, and let's look at the event. This is when the former Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff Dallas Comer pleads to one count of obstruction of justice, okay? This fool's out. Gone. Now, in 95, the end of 95, we've got couples that are being targeted on I-10 for race. They sue the Jefferson Davis Parish, and 97 is when Dateline comes in, runs the ex on the Jefferson Davis Parish Sheriff's Office. The department is caught on many cameras, many times, making stops without probable calls and illegally taking people's money. Only if that's where it would have stopped. Now, in 98, the Jennings Police Department, an informant of theirs, Sheila Comeo, Comio, Comio. Hold on, I'm going to punch myself. She's beaten to death near a funeral home in Jennings. Her murder remains unsolved. Now, we know that after Dallas Comier is out, we know that Ricky Edwards is in. He, re, he wins re election in October 99. So, now, in February, this is when Jennings police officer Phil Carum kills Jennings police officer Kenneth Gildry and his wife, Christine. A standoff ensues, and during that standoff, Carm kills Officer Bert LeBlanc, wounds Officer Johnny Lallister, and Carm is later tried and convicted on first degree murder charges. So this fool goes in, kills uh, Kenneth Gildry and his wife, and then kills some officers. In 2003, uh, the Jennings Police Chief Donald Lucky Delouche resigns due to allegations of rampant sexual misconduct as a department. Well before this, this fool was arrested for aggravated rape and all kinds of, of different things. Abuse of his young daughter, uh, these him and his white girlfriend made videos, these that had sex with animals. This fool was was out there. He this fool was crazy. He's still in law enforcement. I think he's assistant uh, chief in Welsh. Now in two thousand three Officers with the Jing Police Department filed civil rights complaints against the department in federal court. Uh, female cops claimed that they suffered a real hostile work environment, and they did. One witness said it was just sex, 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 sex. Uh, now, this is when the, the, the start of the killings, they believe. In, in April of 2005, the home suspected for being a hub for pills is raided. By the state police, the DA's office, the Jefferson Davis Parish, uh, and Jennings Police Department. Now, during the raid, an addict named Leonard Crochet, who was unarmed, had no weapon anywhere near him, was shot to death by John Briggs Beckton. He was with the Louisiana State Police. Louisiana State Police. Now, witnesses to the killing of Crochet at the hands of law enforcement included Harvey Burleigh and Kristen Gary Lopez, both of whom were later murdered. Now, we come into May of 05 when we, they find the body of Loretta floating in the uh, canal. Then that next month, that, that's victim one. Next month, they find the body of sex worker Ernestine Daniels Patterson. Um, that's the second one. And then March of 07, Kristen Gary Lopez, she was actually witness to the 2005 crochet killing by law enforcement, found floating in a canal outside Jennings. Uh, Kristen was also questioned by the cops in the 05 murder of Loretta and was a witness in that case. Now we go to March of 2007, the same month, later on in that month, Warren Gary is the Jefferson Davis uh, chief investigator. This fool, uh, he buys a, a truck from a female inmate, and this truck was suspected of being used to transport the body of Kristen Gary Lopez, by suspects at the time, Frankie Richard and Tracy Chasson. They sold the truck for $8,748.90. That's a weird number. The fuck's that one? Man. And then, that next month, Warren Gary sells the truck for $15,500. Just something shady about all that. Now, in May of seven, the body of uh, Whitney DuBose is found. Uh, now... Her connection, they think, is Alvin Lewis, is her boyfriend. He witnessed the '05 Leonard Crochet killing by law enforcement. Of course, Whitney was in that same small circle, you know. Now, in June of '07, Stephen Gunter, he's from Lake Arthur, Louisiana. He was he shot to death. He was shot to death by the uh, warden Terry Gullery, during a domestic dispute. Gullery claims that Gunter was armed and pointing a weapon at him. Uh, Of course, the autopsy says otherwise, but of course, nothing ever comes of it. Never is. Now, in 07 uh, July, Harvey Burleigh, he is a direct witness to the 05 Leonard Crochet killing. Of course, he's stabbed to death in Jennings. Uh, Now, people have said that days and months before his death, he said he had... Was pursuing leads on on the murdered women, and he had some evidence. Now, in '07, October of '07, there's a prisoner. Her name's Lisa Allen. She files a civil rights lawsuit, and she claims that a jailer, Mark Ivory, sexually abused her in the jail. So, Ivory commits suicide on that same day. That Allen. Passes a polygraph. Jesus. Lord help Jennings. The Jefferson Davis parish. Now in December of 07, they get statements from female inmates uh, about Warren Gary, who had purchased a truck suspected, you know, being used to transport the body of Kristen Lopez. Uh, they're saying that he worked hand in hand with Frankie Richard, and got that Frankie Richard got uh, Warren Gary to destroy physical evidence from the truck. Now they start to find they find another body, and this is in May of '08, and it's uh, of Lacona Muggy Brown. Now, she's found on a dirt road outside of Jennings. Now she witnessed. The 05 murder of Ernestine, her cousin, Lawrence Nixon, was suspected of of aiding Byron Chad Jones in Patterson's killing, and the charges were dropped. Now, September the 11th of 08, no, I'm sorry, let me back up. In June of 08, the Louisiana Board of Ethics, finally they rule on this Warren Gary and the purchase of this truck and they, they find that he abused his office and he improperly received gifts when he bought and sold the truck in 07, so that's good. Then in September the body of uh, Crystal Benoit Zeno is found. Um, a couple months after her murder, a, a sex a, a sex worker notifies the task force that a police officer with the Jefferson Davis Parish named Danny Barry and his wife trolled Jennings all the time for sex workers. And other witnesses say that Barry had a dungeon-like room as well as rolls of plastic sheeting in his home. He might have been having sex with animals with Delouche. Then in September, I'm sorry, November of 08, they find the body of Brittany Gary. And this is the first cousin to 2007 murder victim, Kristen Gary Lopez. Now I guess the next year is May of '09. They feel the need to do a raid on the home of Frankie Richard. Now this is supposed to be going on to a theft of drugs investigation inside the police department. But Rambly Comier and Paula Gullery are part of this raid. Paula Gullery is married to Terry Gullery, who is the warden of the jail in Jefferson Davis Parish. Now, private investigator Kirk Minard had on surveillance tape Paula and Terry Gullery chilling and hanging out with Rick Frankie Richard, just fucking chilling over on his porch. So finally, an an internal investigation showed that Paula Gullery initiated or took thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from the drug raid on Frankie Richard's home. They terminated her. She was fired because of missing evidence from the raid on Richard's home. Drugs and uh, money and everything was gone. So the case against Frankie Richard Is dropped. Now in August of 09, they find the body of Nicole Gullery. Gullery witnessed the 05 murder of Loretta Chasson, they believe. Just before she was murdered, she told her mother, Barbara, that it was the police who were killing the girls. Then, in December of 09, we get the sheriff, Ricky Edwards, he orders that all investigators working the Jeff Davis eight homicides be swabbed for DNA. Holy shit. I mean what does that say when the sheriff is like, you know what, enough is enough. By God, if you, get you swab out. Get you swab on. Now in January through March, shootings just plague South Jennings. Alan West is killed. Kenneth Pelican is killed. It's just a violent, violent time in Jennings. Now there was a gentleman in in October of 2010 that was his name was Russell Carrier. He was struck and killed by a Santa Fe train in Jennings. Now Carrier had called in a tip to the Jefferson Davis Parish DA's office regarding the 08 murder of Crystal Benoit Zeno. Carrier said he saw three men, all drug dealers, connected to homicide suspect Frankie Richard emerging from the woods where Zeno's body was discovered. But he got hit by a train. Shit. So can't talk to him. Drug dealer David Bolegs DeShoto was shot to death in his South Jennings home DeShoto was an associate of Nicole and Brittany, both victims. That was in July of 11. Now, finally, in January of 13, Jennings Police Chief Johnny Lallister was arrested by the Louisiana State Police. He's charged with obstruction of justice, malfeasance in office, and injuring public records because of items missing from evidence room. And then the last murder to be recorded in with this series of craziness, of just crazy, is in January of 14, body of Lake Arthur, Louisiana, 27 year old Lacey Fontenot, found in a shallow ditch in that town. Cause of death is drowning as a result of hypothermia. Now, this case has got so many. Nooks and crannies, and it is an amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't use the word amazing because it's like glorifying murder, glorifying rape, glorifying these things. It is just this book. Let me say this: this book, "Murder in the Bayou," Ethan Brown, you've done an amazing job. This area, Jennings in the Jefferson Davis Parish, for years had been plagued with police misconduct. And brutality. If you were not on the right side, now I'm not saying money, race, whatever. It seemed like these police officers loved sex and money, and as long as you could help them do that and keep power, then you were you were safe. But once things started to spiral, and loose ends were fraying even more, then they tried to keep put a lid on it, and they they started cutting out loose ends, the weak links, who's going to talk, who's going to say this. Is it a group of them? Is it one of them? It seems to me it could be a collective group, all funneled through Frankie Richard. Frankie Richard has got his hands in a lot of this, and you best believe it. I'm not saying that he's the one that committed the murders. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm not saying he's innocent. But I'm saying his name comes up an awful lot and you know as long as he's lived there all of his life he's got connections to the underworld he's got connections to law enforcement and not only that they come to find out the hotel that they operate out of is owned by a state representative a, a, a member of government Very powerful man. This case, look it up. Read the book Murder in the Bayou by Ethan Brown. I wish there was more, and we can dive into these cases more. We can go chapter by chapter by chapter and give you a feel, and maybe we'll do that in the future. I'm hoping to maybe get an interview with someone, and if I can, I'll do another episode. And go into a little more in-depth in some of it next week. But read that book. Google this case. There is a lot to learn here. There is a lot going on in Jennings, Louisiana. There is a lot going on. And maybe we can do another one. Maybe we can do another episode. I mean, I'm just saying, truthfully, it would take ten episodes at least to cover it the way it needs to be covered. But I think this gives you the names of the important players on both sides, and it gives you a timeline of what happened. I hope it helps. I hope it, it wants you to learn. You it causes you to want to learn more. And our hearts go out to these victims, and our hearts go out to the people of the south side of Jennings, and our hearts are, are and prayers are with you. And I know what it feels like to be. Less than, but you're not less than. We're telling your story. We hope that people have resolution. I don't use the word closure. It's never closed. Losing a loved one is a terrible thing. We hope we can bring help you bring answers. Share this podcast. If I can get an interview with someone, I'm not going to tell you now, but I'm going to ask and see what they say. So thanks for listening. Google Murder in the Bayou, Google the Jennings 8, Google uh, Jeff Davis 8, look at this case, learn about this case, but I hope I've given you the backbone that you can start with and some information. Thanks. This is The Weekly Podcast.